I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Uh, so I'm excited. I feel like we haven't recorded in a while because we yeah. So we, were, we, we had a family recorded, camping trip. Yeah, we recorded our last episodes back-to-back. And so even though you all heard them a week apart, we recorded them back-to-back. So it has been a couple weeks since we've recorded together. But we got yeah. to see each other it yeah, we got to we had a family awesome. camping trip and that was great. And then I had a horse show and so And was she off did last great. Week. I did. Congrats. I did do great. It was very fun. Thank you. Uh so I'm I'm excited to and while we were on the family camping trip, that's when I finished Persuasion. Yeah. Uh what did and you, I have, am excited to, Had you read this one before? I had not. Mm-mm. I hadn't either. So yeah. it was And I'm kind of glad. Hard. Me too, especially because, uh, so the next episode after we, this episode we'll be talking about the entire book. In our next episode, we'll be talking about the new Netflix movie, Persuasion, like starring Dakota Johnson. And uh, yeah, I am really glad that, I'm glad that I hadn't read the book before and then I'm very glad that I read it before I watched the movie. Um, Yes. So I'm excited. I saw this like buzz. Well, and then I saw this BuzzFeed post. I think it was BuzzFeed. Mm -hmm. That was something about, like, the... Oh, no. Maybe this wasn't BuzzFeed. But I did see something about the different adaptations of, like, Jane Austen novels Mm -hmm. and, like, and where they ranked. I remember, like, reading something about... I started to read something about the movie and it's like, no, I don't want to know. Like I genuinely and normally I want to know. Go into a blind. Yeah. So, so you've, yeah, you've seen it. I have not seen it. I'm, I will be watching it tonight. So I'm very interested to, yeah. to see. Um, but yeah, this was great. So before we get into it though, um, so some updates. So our next novel that we're going to be discussing is called Mother of Strangers by Swad Amory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about this one. Um, she's, she's an author and she's also like an architect. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've been mixing professions lately with our, with our authors because, uh, the, um, oh my gosh. Oh, the, uh, the, um, uh, oh my God. Damn it, Sadie. Jeet, Jayu. Yes. Yeah. Thayu. Yeah, Thayu. Um, yeah, yeah, he because he was a musician and like poet and stuff or something, as well as an yeah. Author. Well, and then I found out about this book. Um, I follow uh, Lisa Lucas. She's publisher at Pantheon and Shokin Books, mm-hmm. and she's like the first like black female publisher, like a major publishing house. Um, and she rec- she posted something about this book and just said how good it was so cool I thought I'd give it a shot um and I like it we haven't it's set um like during some of the well I think it's kind of set over a long period of time but with like all of the issues in Palestine and like Mm. everything with you know Israel and England and like so and that's kind of a new 
we haven't really delved into any of that area before. And so that sounds, sounded very interesting to me. So I'm definitely excited. I am not, I'm one chapter in, so I don't even have any like real huge impressions other than I like what the one chapter I've read. Yeah. I just barely got my copy in the mail today. So I get to start it very soon. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, and then I did, so when I was on the camping trip, I finished Persuasion, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't picked up, uh, the next book yet, Mother of Strangers yet. So then I brought a book with me to read while I was on my horse show and it's called Horse. So I was like, okay, I also (laughs) thought it was fitting by, um, Geraldine Brooks and it's really good. Okay. Um, and so I totally recommend, you know, and she's, she's winner of the Pulitzer Prize. She's a great author and she like t- it tells the story mostly it centers around this real um, racehorse named Lexington who was like one of the it was set he started racing before the like shortly before the Civil War like a couple years before okay. and was like the fastest horse like he was like a sea biscuit a right, secretary right, right. like that but he had to end his racing career early because he actually ended up going blind from oh. like an infection and then became, you know, like a stallion and a, a stud horse. And all of his, like, sirings went on to do really amazing things in all sorts of areas of, like, of the horse world. But, and then the story is about him, but also his groom and trainer, who's a slave named Jared. Oh, and it kind of wow. brings up this whole world that I know existed but hadn't really read about before of, you know, b- black horse trainers, you know, uh, any anyone to do with like the horse world and they were oftentimes the slaves of these like rich white men who had all these race horses but how they did all I mean they were responsible yeah um but also were of course un you know not talked about they weren't allowed to do any you know even the ones who were free like it was not um yeah. so it's really interesting and then it talks about that but also in modern times um a woman from the Smithsonian and a art historian who kind of stumble upon a painting of this horse and his groom. And then that leads them to kind of research that world too. So, and it brings up a lot of really, you know, real life racism too. So it brings up kind of what's going on in current times and these different microaggressions and judgments. And it's really good. I like it. So I totally recommend. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I would love to read that. Yeah, so I recommend picking that up from your local bookstore and then also Mother of Strangers by Swad Omri because we will be discussing that. Well, two parts too, I yeah. think. Yeah. So for the next two episodes. So um, what are you drinking? Because it looks nice. Um, I am having a white Russian sprinkled with cinnamon. Wow. It's very good. It's delicious. Good job. I'm having a great That sounds time. good. I know. Brian's so sweet. I made him also again decide my drink tonight. Did he? Did he make it for you too? He did. He did. I was like Brian, you're think so of spoiled. A drink for me. Oh, and will you make it for me? And he did. How nice! I think he might like me. Like I think maybe he might just be in love with me. I'm not sure. You know, you know. I think there are signs. There might be. There I think there be. are signs. There are some signs. Well, that's nice. I like your glass too. Thank you. What are you having? Um, I made a Royal Hawaiian because when I was on my trip, we went to this great restaurant, uh, that my friend Natalie took me to called wind and sea. And, uh, 
they made this and it was so good and it looks prettier when before I mixed it up, but basically it's um, pineapple juice, uh, lemon juice, Oreo syrup, and then the Empress Gin. So you mix it all oh, up and fun. pour all that in first. So it's yellow on the bottom basically. Yeah. And then you pour the gin on top and it's purple and it it's really pretty. And then I put a pineapple slice in it and just like one of the little pineapple. Oh, I don't have it showing to you oh, as like nice. a little topper, but it's really pretty. Like look up a picture of it. It's really pretty okay. and it's delicious. Well, I'm so. glad that Empress is going to good use. It's a good gin. Yes. It's good gin. I like it. Is it is a good gin. Yeah. So I recommend it's good. Your question also sounds delicious. Thank you. Um, all right, let's get into persuasion. So I'll just read the back just for, in case somebody needed a refresher or in case, you know, you haven't read the book yet and you're just trying to decide if you want to. Um, so this is Jane Austen's novel of missed opportunities and second chances, which centers on Anne Elliot, no longer young and with few romantic prospects. Eight years earlier, she was persuaded by others to break off her engagement to poor, handsome naval captain Frederick Wentworth. What happens when they meet again is movingly told in Austen's last completed novel, set in the fashionable societies of Lyme Regis and Bath. Persuasion is a brilliant satire of vanity and pretension and a mature, tender love story tinged with heartache. So, yes, this book is about an Anne Elliot who, at the age of 19, falls in love with Captain Wentworth, and they want to get married and be together forever, but um, her, basically, like, her godmother uh, persuades her not to because she she believes that she deserves someone wealthier and more kind of, like, in society, basically. Established. Yeah, established. Yeah. And so Anne is, you know, she's kind of, like, impressionable a little bit as well. And so she she listens to her and comes to regret it. And so at the age of 27, you know, she's she's unmarried. Old and spinster kind of, she she's, is. Yeah, what a spinster. She's my age. That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's all spinster like. Um, even though her, you know, she only has one other sister that is married, and then her other sister Elizabeth is unmarried, and um, yeah, so it's it's about her kind of like rekindling that relationship and and kind of dealing with like the repercussions of having rejected him and then being forced yeah. to be around each other years later. Um, I really liked this one. This one's I think this. Like, love story is very different than other Jane Austen ones. Although, you know, this book still follows, like, a pretty familiar format for her books as far as, you know, like, all of mm -hmm. Jane Austen's books end in, like, a happy marriage. But um, I really liked this one. I liked, like, this idea of Anne as a character and um, this idea that she's somehow, like the most desirable sister out of all of her sisters and yet is still at 27, like, unmarried. And she's kind of, like, throughout this novel, like, a fly on the wall. Like, I feel like yes. compared to other her, books, she has very little dialogue, really. Yeah, her voice is very interesting. It's so internal. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it's almost like, it's like if it was, like, a TV show, she would have all these looks to camera or... You know, like that's like the vibe yes. I get from it. Yeah. It's like you're really in like it's what kind of more of what like she's observing. And yeah, I, yeah, I like the the voice of it. It's a really interesting. I think it makes it made me feel connected to the character Anne in a way that like I really I just really enjoyed her. And mm -hmm. 
liked her tone on things and that helped set the tone for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like didn't take herself too seriously, was very, you know, thoughtful. So like it, I just thought it was a nice tone. Yeah, I agree. She's she's really like like you said, like she has a, she's very like kind hearted. And so mm-hmm. you can see that as well. Like she's not she never like is trying to be in the spotlight. You know, she's always it's she is always trying to be helpful, I think, but she's very clever at the same time. Like it doesn't mean that she's like doesn't have anything to offer. She just kind of like Yeah. is there. But in a good way. <laughs> like it's not it's not in like a bad way. Um, but I liked like at the beginning of the book, there are just a lot of conversations that are happening around her that she she gives more input to us than she ever does to an actual conversation. And yeah, I find that interesting. And I think it's also why I think she's like appreciated and liked or or even like needed by so many characters in the book. Like mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people confide in her um, or like rely on her for certain things. And I think that that's part of it is just that she seems to be so like reasonable and like kind yeah. and non-judgmental, you know, like I think like her, her sister Mary is ridiculous. So her sister Mary is the one that's married and she has two kids and she's like mm-hmm. the most dramatic person in the oh, world. I, I love the relationship between Mary and her husband, Charles. Like they're so it's funny. so funny. They're like, so funny. She is. Yeah. Like you said, dramatic and kind of like just needs a lot and he you can tell you can tell they love each other but it's this interesting almost like he gets so exasperated with her and she with him and like mm-hmm. it I don't know they're they're just they have funny interactions uh, I really enjoyed the those characters like, well and and they she's they're a good side and she's like you know some of these things that they these funny bits in the book Mary's not like exactly wrong about it's just kind of funny like so her oldest son you know which I mean isn't old they're still like kids he like breaks his arm or dislocates his shoulder or Mm -hmm. something and they want to go have dinner with like the neighbors basically and like he really wants to get out of the house. Like, now that they've confirmed, son is okay. Like, that's fine. He's yeah, not going to die. His life is, yeah, he's out of danger. He's fine. Like, Charles Musgrove is his name. Um, he just, like, wants to get out of the house. He wants to go. And he's like, oh, but, like, you should stay because you're, like, the mom. Like, that's, like, your job, right? Like, you need to stay. <laughs> right. And then she's talking to Anne about it. Um and she, she says to Anne, so you and I are to be left to shift by ourselves with this poor sick child and not a creature coming near us all the evening. I knew how it would be. This is always my luck. If there's anything disagreeable <laughs> going on, men are always sure to get out of it. And Charles is as bad as any of them. Very unfeeling. I must say it is very unfeeling <laughs> of him to be running away from his poor little boy. And then she goes on to say... Um, <laughs> It's such a proper, like, bitch session. Yeah, but but then, like, she goes on to be like, you know, I probably shouldn't be here. I'm, like, the least qualified person to be here because I am his mother. (laughs) Like, it's too much for me. (laughs) And so... Um, so then she like starts, you know, even though she starts with this like rant against her husband, she like twists uh-huh. the situation into like, and you stay, I'll go. Yes. Like, that's the best decision. She's really funny. She's, I think she's really funny. She is funny. And Anne and like the way that she handles her, I think is also really funny. She just kind of like accepts 
these people around her as just this is just how they are. And I just find it funny the way she handles them. I I agree, but I think she does a good job of still, even though she accepts them how she are they are, like pointing out hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like she's she's very good at like, you know, she has re- her recognizing that yeah, like recognizing the ridiculousness of like a lot of the class issues, which is huge, yeah, obviously, throughout yeah. this whole novel. It's like she's dissuaded from marrying Wentworth because he doesn't make enough money and he's not of the class, you know, certain class and like her, you know, her, her dad and her, like her family, they have to move so that from the grand place they live to lower their expenses and reduce their debt. And so they rent their home to an admiral and his wife. And then the wife's brother is Captain Wentworth. Um, And so she like talks a lot about that new family because it's Captain Wentworth's family. That's, like living in her family home that her family had to move from because they couldn't afford it basically. And, but yet they're still putting on these airs and it's like, it matters so much to them who rents their home and how, what that says about everybody. And and, and like the way that they want to be thought of for doing that, not that they need to rent their home, but they want everybody to think that that just happened to be the most convenient thing for everybody at the time. Um, And then, yeah, like her her dad's obsession, like his vanity is just hilarious and perplexing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's just interesting watching her um kind of deal with that because Elizabeth, her sister, and his is his name Walter? It's Sir Walter, right? Yeah. Sir Walter. Um, he's just like so pompous. And stuff about, like, he he's just very concerned about the way that people look, and he's very concerned about um, how people look in certain towns and cities, you know, which is interesting. I think location's interesting to look at, like, when you think about people's place in society and how, you know, maybe this family, like, they're a big deal where they're from, but maybe they're not as big of a deal as they think they are in other places, and yeah. um, just the level of importance that they just put on, like, really what people think about them rather than the reality of what's going on. Yeah, and I like how she pokes, like, just pokes, like, almost just directs your attention to it. Like, again, it's like, mm-hmm. it's nice, like, you see these things that matter and she's thoughtful. And so I, I really liked her her voice in this and I think it's interesting because you know her mother died when she was young Mm -hmm. and her kind of both self-sufficiency and also like you know need like she's nurturing but like she needs that nurturer and I think it's hard that you know she basically called off her engagement because of advice from someone who was a mother figure to her yeah um and so that's hard too and like she's still having to you know like it's kind of brave of her to put herself out there I think she was you know not expecting anything from Captain Wentworth it's not like oh he's you know so you know he's back in my life and obviously he's gonna love me all over again she's very open to the idea of like he was scorned it wasn't fair you know and kind of the guilt for that and I think that it's a very she's just very thoughtful about all of her relationships and I think she tries to be yeah, she's well, and she's as nurturing she, as she needs. Well, like, and she's kind of guilty, you know. She feels bad about how things sure. happened, mm-hmm. and she it, like it. I think it brings her pain thinking about how she 
left things, you know, and there's a lot of very, I think, like, subtle talk about, um, like, the way that she feels about it or, like, what their relationship was like in, like, the height of their relationship because, like, she talks about, um, oh, there's, like, one quote that I really wanted to pull that I thought was really interesting, um, she talks about how, okay, um, this is just, like, a really subtle way of her referencing, for example, like, how happy she was with him when she was younger, um, yeah, she, she knew, this is chapter six, um, she knew that when she played, she was giving pleasure only to herself, but this was no new sensation. Excepting one short period of her life, she had never since the age of 14, never since the loss of her dear mo- mother, known the happiness of being listened to or encouraged by any just appreciation or real taste. And it's so clear when she says, except for a very one short period of her life, she's talking about that time when she was with captain wentworth when she was young and how he yeah. made gave her those feelings of feeling like listened to and understood and like perfectly matched in every way and i i like how like mature this novel feels because she's looking at this as i think someone normally would eight years down the line it doesn't have the same like drama and flair mm-hmm. as i think right. you would expect from basic, I mean, like a romance novel, but obviously with Jane Austen, it's like way more than just that. But um, I, I agree. Like it's not, it's not flowery. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very, um, feels very modern in it's, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to figure how to say what I mean by that, but it just, it, it doesn't feel necessarily like you said, what, what you expect out of a Jane Austen novel, but I think that is how she writes. I think it's just that, you've come to expect kind of this flowery language mm-hmm. from these kind of novels, but you don't get, it's so straightforward and, but still very something you can connect to. Yeah. And oh, like there's this one quote in it that this is about as flowery or dramatic as I feel like the book gets when talking mm-hmm. about like passion and like people's love for each other. And it's, um, she says that there could this is at the start of chapter 8 and i think if this is this is i'd i'd read this quote before i'd read this book so i know that this is like definitely a very popular one but she said there could have yeah. been no heart no two hearts so open no taste so similar no feelings so in unison no countenances so beloved now they were as strangers nay worse than strangers for they could never become acquainted it was a perpetual estrangement and i feel like that oh like that is such a good, like, concise but not overly dramatic way of describing that feeling. And it's yes. a very relatable feeling no matter, like, what period, you know? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like anybody who's ever been in a romantic relationship can, like, relate to yeah. running it's, into, it's like, a an It's a very basically. timeless, yeah, it's a timeless sentiment, like, and one that's, for the most part, universally understood. Yeah. So it... Yeah, she. I love how she writes about their relationship because I did. I do feel like I got a like something you could root for in their relationship and could sense like you know how real it was mm-hmm. without it being I don't know obnoxious. <laughs> well, and honestly, like it's a it's a pretty big feat I think to pull off without giving us any actual like 
scenes or flashbacks or anything to what their relationship was like. Like, we're just basing it off of this kind of tension, really, between them and the way that they, like, act around each other and then also um, the way that she kind of remarks on him and, like, being around him. And I feel like that's, like, pretty stunning. Like, I feel like it takes a lot to be able to convince reader that this relationship was real without giving you something, like, firm to hold on to other than just, like, this kind of feeling of, like, memory of, like, what it was like. And, like, and I also think that it's kind of a difficult um, trick to land because you're dealing with, like, memory and nostalgia and, like, trying to tack down, like, okay, like, is this just about, like, regrets and, like, what ifs and what could be? Or, like, was this a real, like, relationship that they should be in still? I don't know. I thought that yeah. was interesting. But, um, yeah, and I liked, too, like, the plot of this book. You know, there's really, like, there's some big stuff that happens, but not really. You know, but like, yeah, it's it's pretty like there's nothing there's not like these high peaks of yeah conflict. Yeah. Like it, it's kind of just this easy, like kind of I don't know, just I picture like small waves of action, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. With kind of just a nice but it's not in a bad way it's just it kind of plateaus for it but it, you're getting so much the, I think the tension there isn't in the action that's happening but in like the length of time that's going on between when she sees him and mm-hmm. will see him again and here like it's like he's always just kind of there and so like that's almost where that tension builds when there's not something happening in the story yeah and there's does a, that make sense yes and there's a lot of like them not having conversations in this book but they're kind of still having conversations because she's in the room and she hears him say things to other people and the things he says yeah. to other people always feels very pointed towards her like he says yes. you know like he talks about how He's in the market to marry, basically, and um, he he says some. I can't remember who he says this to, but he says, you know, that the woman that he wants to be with, that he he'll be attracted to at this point, like, are going to be really firm in their decisions, and you know, like, really unwavering when it comes to how they feel, and really straightforward. And it kind of feels like him kind of calling her out you know, for being invested in their relationship and then denying him marriage, you know, like it, like it kind of shows her lacking steadfastness, you know, at this age of, you know, 19, when she has a lot of other stuff going on. But like, it it did kind of feel like he was talking to her by talking to other people for quite some time until they actually like, were not forced to have a conversation alone together, but like, we're pushed more into those situations where they're talking directly to each other. Cause otherwise they kind of like avoid each other quite a bit in these yeah. social situations. Yeah. And I do think it's, I also really liked this is a little bit off on another yeah. tangent, but when you were talking, it made me think about this. I like the, um, inter- like the other suitors, so to speak. So like, obviously mm-hmm. her long lost love is, you know, Wentworth and that's, that's the couple. But, like, 
it's like this little slight tension that pops up in like these other suitors. So for one thing, her sister Mary's, uh, or yeah, or sorry, sorry Mary's husband Charles mm-hmm. originally had proposed to Anne. Yeah, like five years before the story started, like he had proposed to Anne, and she said no because she didn't truly love him, and obviously she was still hung up on Wentworth. And so then he marries Mary, and they have two sons. And so there's that. So it's like he wanted. And first, and well, then this is like why I said at the beginning, like she's the more desirable sister. Like everybody yeah. seems to want her, and yet she's like the spinster who's just quiet and a fly on the wall. Yeah, and then, and then Elliot. Yeah, uh, what's his first Mr. name? Um, like yeah, Mister yeah, Elliot, because they're 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 cousins, right? Yeah, yeah, Wayne Elliot. And like it's he, Wayne, I think. Yeah, and he, it's interesting because he's after Anne. William, William Elliot. William, okay. Um, yeah, and so, like, he has interest in Mrs. Clay, who's Elizabeth's, like, friend, oh, and yeah. later becomes, like, his mistress, and, I like, so it's just, like, all these other little romantic subterfuges and things going on around Anne, too, is really interesting. Like, I think it really, it's almost, like, heightens, that's where it heightens some of the tension, is yeah, it's less yeah. in the action, and it's more in the, like relationships are what create the tension just by being what they are. Yeah. No, I love that you brought up the thing with Mrs. Clay and like how weird that is. So Mrs. Clay is like a widow (laughs) who is really like not a high society gal and but she's like really good friends with Elizabeth but she's older and she just kind of hangs out with them all the time but she is actually really close to like Sir Elliot and um, or Sir Walter Yes, but they are part of the well, Elliots yeah. because... Correct. Mr. El- yeah, okay. So, but she hangs out with them all the time, and there are, like, a few circumstances where, you know, even Anne is like, oh, like, this is, like, improper, you know? Like, you shouldn't be going on vacation with Mrs. Clay. Like, she's after your money, which we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, like, and all this stuff. But then yeah. I also think Mrs. Clay is really interesting. I I kind of, like felt for her like there was some stuff that she said at the beginning where I was like oh wow okay this woman like thinks about things pretty well and she she like calls out their dad in a really interesting way so like in even in chapter three you know he's basically just like talking shit on like sailors <laughs> and like how ugly they are because of the fact that they're like in the sun <laughs> and they work so hard every day <laughs> Yeah, like he says, like he's talking about picture to yourselves, my amazement. I shall not easily forget Admiral ba- Admiral Baldwin. I never quite saw so wretched an example of what a seafaring life can do, but to a degree, I know it is the same with them all. They are all knocked about and exposed to every climate and every weather, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically, you do physical labor, you're like wretched and ugly, and. I really actually loved Mrs. Clay's response to this, and made me it made me really like her. Um, yeah. She basically calls him out and, you know, she's like, have mercy, like, people have to do what they have to do. And she says, um, in fact, as I have long been convinced, though every profession is necessary and honorable in its turn, it is only the lot of those who are not obliged to follow any who can live in a regular way in the country, choosing their own hours, following their own pursuits, and living on their own property without the torment of trying for more. It is only their lot, I say, to hold the blessings of health and a good appearance to the utmost. I know no other set of men but who's loose, but what lose something 
of their personableness when they cease to be quite young. And I thought that was, like, such a, like, not just Mrs. Clay, like, calling out this, like, mm-hmm. class difference and, like, oh, like, yeah. you can complain all you want, but, like, you've never had to work, so screw you kind of a thing. But it's mm-hmm. kudos also to, like, Jane Austen for writing about class in this way and, like, pointing out, like, the value and the... um necessity and like respect that people who have to work you know and like build careers and like have to do things they don't just have the benefit of having like inherited property you know like I I think I just think that that's a really cool point in this book but yeah Mrs. Clay is interesting she's like she is taken as his mistress right at the end yeah uh uh-huh and he like I think originally so you find out that uh, Mr. Elliot is like trying to seduce Anne so that he can like write it in their marriage contract that the dad never gets remarried because he wants to like inherit the yeah. the title this mm-hmm. the estate and and he thinks the whole time that Mrs. Clay is after like him to marry Miss like Sir uh, oh my God Sir Walter. And so he, like, starts to try to seduce her, like, to get her off of Sir Walter, even though she was never, I think, on Sir Walter to begin with. So it's, I just think it's really funny. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I love how she, like like I said, she just has a great voice as almost like this, uh, just she's very aware. She's very observant. And I just really like hearing that part of Jane Austen through her me too and she's weary you know like I think I think something that's good about her character is that she's she's pretty like firm down the middle where she calls out the ridiculousness of her parents and like kind of the ridiculousness of her first refusal of Wentworth but she's also weary Mm -hmm. about like like still maintaining propriety and um she has like moral boundaries like she, you know, when she finds out what um, Mr. Elliot's up to, she's not impressed and she doesn't like it. Like she doesn't, she doesn't really trust him or his or his goals. Yeah. And and I liked that that like she, so I think she does hold stock in the social order, but I think that she doesn't, if it means like sacrificing a level of, like, personal integrity and, um, like, being a good person still. So I, I like her. I think she's, she's like, a really subtly done, well-rounded character, which is why this, yeah, like, this I book agree. feels, like, really mature for the other, yeah. for some, like, it's not that Jane, uh, that Jane Austen's other novels aren't mature, um, but this one just felt, like, extra mature to me. I don't know. But still funny. Like, she's such a funny yeah. writer. Oh, my gosh. I know she is. It's always, I always, I'm, I know how funny she is. Like I love her and Emma especially, but I always kind of forget. Like it takes me a second to get into the language of it and put my mind to the, remember like she's to read it just straightforward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, without, it's hard not to have preconceived notions. So yeah, for me, for this type of literature, like, 
well, there's, this time period there's, in English lit. There's like, kind of like, but I love it all. It's just stuffiness. I almost get a tone. Yeah, like there's like yeah. a level of stuffiness that I think is associated with it. But Jane Austen, I think, really like rejects a lot of that stuffiness when you read her work. It's actually really funny. Um, I was finishing the book the other day, and Brian comes in and he's like, "Oh, are you trying to be like all intellectual, like reading Jane Austen?" And like, I know. Well, and what's interesting is that it would be any more intellectual than any of the other novels that we read. Yeah, no, he's just like doesn't know anything about literature, and I'm like, you're just jealous, and you're just like calling me out just because like you can't read more than a paragraph at a time. It's okay, babe. Like, it's all right. You don't need to be so fragile about it. Um, but it's funny that I, th- I think it's funny that he said that because I think that Jane Austen novels, especially even though it's a classic and even though there's a lot there thematically and she is clearly saying a lot, like this book is like not just about this love story. This book is about the social order and it's about people's class and it's about, you know, how, when you know, your your place in society, like, changes, your options change. And, like, it's just interesting to think about all of that stuff at play in her work. But at the same time, it's very easy to read her work as this is a romance or this is a comedy. And, like, it's easy to find all these, like, enjoyable yeah. things that anybody could enjoy and anybody would find funny or relatable without it being a stuffy classic you know, that's, like, yeah. way over your head or something. This is... I agree. And, and that's why her work, I think, is, like, so timeless and, like, super popular even now. Yeah, I agree. It made me want to reread some other novels. Yeah. Like, like Tess, Tess of the Dumbervilles was oh, one of my favorites. That. That, that book, like, makes me really sad. That's a sad book. Yeah. Though. But, like, that was one of my favorites, um... But like just like rereading some of my favorites from yeah. this time period, it kind of made me want to do that. So I and like that's I love like I said, we I say this all the time, but when certain books make you want to read other books like yeah. or explore down those paths, one, it's exhausting because it's like I do not have that much time to I know. read everything I want to read. I know <laughs> like, I need and I feel like I read a lot. You do. And you I do. like still want. <laughs> yeah, I still want more time. But. Anyway, it was really good. I'm glad we did this, and I'm excited to watch the movie. Yeah, I think tonight. we'll have a lot to talk about with the movie in comparison. But I have to tell you, it is so fucking funny. One of the things that you said when we were discussing the book, it's like... It's... Will you remember what it is so that I can... Oh, I'll remember. Like, you can tell me? You'll know exactly. Will you, like, remind me what it was? You'll know exactly what it was. I don't know was. if I'll remember what I said. I don't even remember what I said in this entire podcast. <laughs> I feel like I just spew stuff. Like, I don't... You you, you are talking to me like I'm much more thoughtful than I am in this um, podcast. Like I think you'll know <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. Like, the first, okay. like, ten minutes of the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But... Um, okay. Yeah, and I, well, I think, I'm excited. I think to it'll watch bring it. in a lot of stuff to discuss because I, it's a, it's an interesting adaptation to say the least, and I think it's interesting to talk about adaptations. Now. I yeah, I'm excited to talk more about the book as it re- like as it connects. You know, yeah. the movie brings up different things for me in the book, so yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. So, if at the very least, I hope you guys watch the movie. Yes, yes, for sure. Although I would have to tell you, you should read the book. 
I feel, I mean, the book's great, it's, but you it know, seems, like, oh, I don't have time. It seems obvious that, like, we should tell you to read the book, but I will say, after having watched the movie, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, obviously, I know how that's going to be. Well, I'm excited either way. Um, and then, let's see, sh- is there anything else you wanted to talk about on this episode, or do you want to save it up for next one? Not really. Oh, I finally watched... Um, the Essex Serpent on Apple oh, TV. Oh, did you like it? I liked it, although it ended differently than the book. Did How did it end? So did you watch the show? No. Okay, well, I don't know if Do you... Do you not want to spoil it? Well, so, like, just like... The I'll likelihood just, of me watching it is kind of low. Yeah, I'll just, like, I'll just spoil it. So the book is, like... I think really interesting. It, but at the, the the helm of it, it's this widow who was like abused by her first husband, and this is at like the height of like Darwinism and like naturalism is really taking over, and it's yeah. like very cool, very cool time to be alive, eighteen um, hundreds. And there are like these tales of this like serpent, this like sea creature, prehistoric sea creature that lives on like the Essex coast in England, and so. Cora, the main character, she goes, and anyway, like, the town is in hysterics. They're, like, freaking out because people are, like, disappearing, and they think it's the serpent. Like, they're getting very superstitious about it. She wants to go right. see if there's, like, something scientifically interesting going on there. Um, while she's there, she falls in love with a priest, or, like, I should say vicar, because he's, like, Anglican, so he's married, and he has kids and stuff. And... In the, in the book, like, his wife gets really sick, but then once they solve the issue with the serpent, and that's all figured out, she actually gets better. And, like, he ends up with, like, they don't end up together. He ends up with his wife, like, back with his family, and she, like, does yeah. her thing. And it's fine. It's not, like, this big thing. Um, but in the, in the show, like, they did kill off the wife. She does die. From her illness, oh. and then they do end up together. And I thought that was like I was just kind of disappointed by that. Like I feel like it's the ending people wanted. Maybe when they read the book, like people were disappointed by the book ending because like the two main love interests and characters don't end up together in the book. But I think like I was disappointed because I feel like what the story was trying to like say and tell, like I thought it was important. Like, the wife being ill was, like, very symbolic in the book. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. and then they just, like, went with it. So, um, yeah. But otherwise, it was really good. Like, it was a beautiful show. Like, cinematically, it was really great. And I thought the acting was really good. But I was, like, puzzled by the change at the at the hmm. end. Yeah, I wonder what would lead to that. Did you Have you watched The Bear yet? No, I'm sorry. Brian and I will watch it this week, I promise. I'll have more to report next time. I Whatever. promise, it's because fine. we actually do need a show, especially now that I've finished Essex Serpent. Like, we need a show to watch together. Um, All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see I what know. you have to say. I'm sorry. I don't want to disappoint you. I love you. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, it's all right. Are it you happens. going to watch House of the Dragon? Yes. Absolutely. Too. Like, me, same. Did you read yeah. Fire and Blood? Duh. Yes. Cool. I'm totally watching it. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm a sucker. Like I'm gonna be watching it. I'm gonna be loving every minute of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Uh. I'm. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. That's a. That's. All a good right. One. Well. 
So. Okay, and then re again, the next book we'll be doing is Mother of Strangers by Swad Omri. I'm really excited about this one, so go ahead and pick up a copy of that from your local bookstore or bookshop.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you haven't, read Persuasion. It's really good. It's funny. It's touching. It's it's like a lovely, smart... Yeah. I wouldn't even... Like, kind of a romantic comedy, but like a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's a great so, one. And it's and a it's, quick and read. Per, and it's, it's really per good. Per Brian, it's intellectual. So yeah. you'll look you'll look really intellectual intellectual <laughs> uh, if seen reading it. So that's a good, you know, Yeah, that's bonus. always a good thing. Yeah. People yeah, will think you're what you really smart. Like. <laughs> and on right. brand. Like, you're really on trend. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited. This was a good pick. I'm excited Thank to talk you. about it more next episode. So... Go pick up a copy. Um, And I guess that's it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.